What's up, Marvelites, and welcome to a brand new episode of the MCU Exchange Podcast. This is a milestone episode for us. This is episode 25, 25th episode. Yay! Yeah. My name is Aaron, I'll be your host for this episode. Alongside me is Charles. Yo, what's up? What's up? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Did it disappear? Hello. Hey, man. <laughs> All right, and uh, there's a lot of news running around in social media sites in the past few weeks, in the past few days, rather. Just about to give a shout out first to our listeners over at Spotify, YouTube, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and Breaker. And if, in case you're wondering why our Facebook page is suddenly gone, don't worry. Uh, we're just focusing on Twitter right now. So please do follow us on Twitter at slash MCU Exchange. But you can also like and head over to our website at www.mcuexchange.com for all the MCU Exchange goodies and features for everything Marvel Cinematic Universe. And now let's move on to the rundown of the news. First up, fresh news coming up, fresh confer- confirmation for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness as Baron Mortar actor Chiwetel Ejiofor all but confirmed that he will reprise the role in 2022's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That confirmation came from the actor himself. We've known that this has been rumored way back in February, but the confirmation comes from for himself, he said, and I quote, he's coming on. I'm very, very excited about that. Obviously, we've been sort of interrupted as the whole world has been in the pandemic, but hopefully we're back on track with that and continuing quite soon. So I'm very excited about it. And he also gave his tease when asked about where exactly Mordo was during Avengers Endgame's final battle. And he said, all will be revealed. <laughs> Charles, exciting news. What do you think is the role of Baron Mordo in the upcoming Doctor Strange sequel? Like, how huge is he going to be compared to somewhat like a low-key role, like in Thor: Dark World, or do you think he has bigger role moving forward? Uh, what What I really like about the Doctor Strange movie is that I like I like how it's it will be like six years um, since the first movie when 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 the when the sequel yeah. comes out. So, you know, you've got like a six-year gap. There's so much shit to explain with what exactly went on with Mordo. Um, last we saw him, he he uh, he got the powers of uh, what's his face at the end of the post credit scene of the Doctor Strange movie, and you know he sort of begun his crusade. Oh, yeah. like, all those who who misuse magic for their own sort of um, I guess for their own benefit, and you know it, it's going to be so interesting to see what he thinks of the world now since since Thanos showed up, since you know. An army of sorcerers marched up to fight against Thanos and, you know, use magic to, I guess, save the world. I wonder what he thinks of that. So I am curious what his role is going to be. We know that Nightmare is sort of going to be, I guess, the de facto big bad. And, you know, with Nightmare there and then with Mordo there, who exactly is going to be, you know, who's going to take take all of Strange's attention to, for, the, for the big picture. I'm so curious what's going to happen. Um, I could see him sort of being a low-key role, sort of a antagonistic anti-hero where Strange has to, you know, work with this guy who, who hates him and who Strange hates. And it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. But yeah, I'm all for Edgy for returning. And I, I can't wait to see what Mordo has been up to for the past six, seven years. Awesome. And now, Joe, what are your thoughts about his return? Also, can you theorize about uh, if he was snapped by Thanos or he is not snapped by Thanos? Because it's going to have a larger implication mm. of his role moving forward. Um, I'm excited. I, I think he's first of all just a, a fantastic actor, and it's it's a great role that I think was slightly underutilized to some degree in the first because you know it was mostly about 
oh, their friendship and then the betrayal, and they kind of rushed into him becoming evil or an anti-hero. But it's uh, it's very exciting to see him back because the question is like this heart, no more wizard thing. We haven't seen any outside of Wong and, and Doctor Strange. So yeah, who knows if with the snap he kind of his list got shortened. I kind of think he was still around uh, because it makes for an interesting. Yeah, because it makes for an interesting story because if he was out on a hunt and a lot of wizards disappeared, uh, what does that imply for the wizards that showed up during the final uh, battle with Thanos? Because he saw a lot of them there. Like, we didn't see any until that moment where suddenly this army of of magicians and wizards, or however we want to call them, showed up to aid in battle. And that's, that's kind of an interesting thing because... Either he was, you know, laying low or he's been picking them off one after another or what's his selection pretty much. So I think it's really I I would love to see him not be snapped to kind of see what he went through when his mission pretty much got taken away from him. Mm. Yeah. And and I think that would make a because I think they're trying to push him towards anti-hero rather than complete villain. And I think that's an interesting story to dive into. Maybe we'll even meet a different version of him in the multiverse. You know, that that's an exciting thing. A, a casting closer to the comics where we see what direction he could have gone. So there's a lot of potential with that character. And I'm really excited what they're going to do. Yeah. And if, yeah. Joe, Joe, Joe made a very interesting point about, you know, what does he feel about the world, or rather Thanos take, taking, you know, Mordo's mission from his hands. But I'm also curious, what if Mordo gets snapped and what he thinks of, you know, we don't know where, where exactly these souls all went. We, we can only guess that they went inside like some sort of soul stone. But if that is the case, you know, could this death experience, this experience of death sort of, could it have changed mm-hmm. Mordo's perception on, 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 mm-hmm. on, on his mission? Maybe maybe once he experiences that, that snap, he wakes up six years later, what the fuck happened? I, I am curious if that sort of changes his perception on, on his mission and just annihilating all of you know sorcery around the world yeah and you know seeing that the last time we saw him his last line was no more sorcerers and then during endgame's final battle look at all those sorcerers (laughs) (laughs) revealing (laughs) that's gonna be like oh man i still have a mission to complete Just imagine he has like this hit list and then all of them show up. It's like, I keep forgetting they have schools. <laughs> yeah. I, I, let's, let's, let's say this. Ultimate crossover, Mordo, uh, Mordo goes to Hogwarts. <laughs> for everyone. Gonna, for everyone to see. Like, for, that's what they like to see. <laughs> and, and we still don't know, you know, not much is known about what, uh, the sorcerers comprise of maybe there are other factions around the world that you know that maybe we can discover around when Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness premieres next two years from now. Next up on the news list is another MCU movie from Phase Four, Shang Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. Yesterday, in a report from Murphy's Multiverse, insider Charles Murphy revealed that they have uncovered evidence that the film will be partially set during China Song Dynasty and the Turco Persian Seljuk Dynasty. Murphy pointed out that the evidence was connected to a previous casting call last year, which indicated that Marvel Studios was looking for a ruler of a distant Asian kingdom, while also speculating that the Mandarin, mm-hmm. character played by Tony Lung, could be a descendant of Genghis Khan, which is closely tied to Marvel Comics. Charles, what can you say about this? Um, you know, tra- Shang-Chi diving down 
to the uh, comics lore, also further expanding the backstory of the Mandarin. They're trying to shy away from the Iron Man 3 Mandarin twist, right? Like, they're trying to give a proper introduction to the character. What I find very interesting about, you know, the Genghis Khan connection, I mean, it's sort of been there in the comics, but also when you when you rewatch the first Iron Man, um, one of the, I forgot what his name was, was Raza, the, the head of the Ten Rings we see in Iron, the first Iron Man. He does mention mm-hmm. Genghis Khan as one of the mm-hmm. great you know, rulers of the world. Sort of, you know, sort of someone they look up to so we know that there's a bit of admiration from their side over, over you know, the Mandarin's history. So it, it only just enriches um, the AMCU as we know it. I am curious what, you know, we're going to see some scenes, you know, spanning back thousands of years ago. I wonder what that looks like for the MCU. I mean, we're going to see the Eternals. We're going to see, you know, what, what the world was like maybe 2,000 years back before everything started. But, you know, with the, with the Genghis Khan stuff, it was like only like a thousand years ago when he started, you know, conquering the lands of Asia. So I am curious what it looks like. I wonder if, if there's going to be like a mystical element to it. I wonder, you know, me, me and Charles were talking about this yesterday. What if, you know, Genghis originally had the Ten Rings? He, maybe, maybe he was the first one to have it. And he, throughout his conquering over Asia, he passes all these rings. And, you know, all of a sudden, th- these rings disappear. And, you know, it's a... It's, it's a his descendant Mandarin to sort of reclaim the glory of, of Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan's power. So it's it's super interesting, and I, I can't wait to see what they have in store for 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 the Mandarin history. Do you think we will see how the Ten Rings will be passed over different generations, like that the flashback? Is that the cause? Of I hope so. I, I hope they sort of explore that. I mean, I, I, there's so many, there's so there's so much about the Ten Rings. I am curious of. I am curious about the history. I'm also curious of what mm-hmm. it can do because in the comics it, it has all sorts of super duper crazy powers. I wonder if if they're gonna incorporate that. Also, just logistically, I wonder if the Chinese government is gonna allow like a portrayal like that where it becomes just super duper unrealistic mm-hmm. and it's not it's not exactly uh, a faithful retelling of their history. I have, there's, there's so many aspects about this. I am very excited for. Joe, how about you? How are you excited? What- uh, what are your expectations about the upcoming proper debut of the MCU's Mandarin? Um, I'm really excited, uh, especially because I personally really hope we get the return of Trevor Slattery, because that just yeah. I, I just can't imagine like that they're gonna be a little bit like the opening is with Trevor Slattery having to confront the real Mandarin, uh, learning about the real history. And I, I like your idea, Charles, like the the rings being passed on. I had a different theory for a while now that because, you know, the Mandarin, like uh, the, the version of Mandarin we saw in Iron Man 3 was obviously inspired by uh, Eastern, uh, Middle Eastern with a, a flair of, of Genghis Khan in it. And it's kind of the go to connection to say, oh, he's a descendant of Genghis Khan. Part of me always wondered, wouldn't it be more interesting if the Mandarin actually lived in the era of Genghis Khan because it was always like he, you know, he goes old and rejuvenates himself, kind of like an inspired take from what, like, uh, Ra's al Ghul does, Mm -hmm. or Ra's al Ghul. Uh, Like, I kind of like the idea of the Mandarin being the right-hand man of Genghis Khan that was always trying to wait for his turn to get the rings in his possession. Mm -hmm. And as a last act, uh, because he knew he had a deceptive uh, aid, he cast out the Ten Rings by his men throughout the world. 
And over all these years, Mandarin's trying to get these ring togethers, and the last ring he needs to get is in this tournament arc they're teasing. That would be the final one where he he spent all his time training his uh, training his son to get to this position that he can get the final ring in his hand as a as a last curse out to Genghis Khan. Yeah, because I, I think that would be a great history to explore. Next up on the list, let's go over to the Disney side of Disney Plus side of things. It's from the Hawkeye Disney Plus, Disney Plus series. In a previous mm. episode of a of Murphy's Law podcast, which also part of Charles Fillingable, <laughs> it was suggested that Kevin Feige and company were planning on Hawkeye going deaf in his upcoming Disney series. And I quote: "This is what Charles said. What was heard was that they were initially going to pursue the idea of Clint going deaf." That was part of the plan for the Hawkeye series. And so we'll see if that's still in there. Charles, Hawkeye being deaf is like, for casual fans, they don't know that happened in, in the comics. <laughs> so yeah. uh, how, how significant is this new development for the character in, this, in, for the MCU? I'm not fully familiar with that aspect of Hawkeye in the comics. I always known that it's, it's been sort of a part of him. But then again, it's, it's never been... A major part of any of the stories I've read is just sort of like you know, like there that was blind. It's just like he's blind. It's not yeah. at this point. It, it barely has anything to do with the actual stories. It's just you know, a handicap he has to to you know improve other aspects of 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 his life. It's just he's deaf in he he's deaf in his ears, so he has to compensate by being you know a better archer and whatnot. So. I'm not quite sure how it's gonna gonna factor in. I wonder if the main thing, I guess, his main struggle in this in this show will be, you know, him dealing with his deafness, and maybe that's when, you know, we last week we talked about um, Echo coming in. Echo's a deaf character. We talked about the possibility of of Echo mm-hmm. sort of helping Clint, you know, overcome this disability. I wonder if it's gonna factor in like that. But overall, I can't chime in much to how important. Clint's deafness is in the comics. It's just you know, as far as I know, it's just it's just something that he has. Like for for example, Clint in the comics is left-handed, and you know it's just a super you know super a specific Easter egg that I think the MC was doing well because if you if you watch uh, some some of Hawkeye scenes closely in the films, he is left-handed in in, yeah. in the MCU. Yeah. But I wonder if that's more of Jeremy Renner just being left-handed, or I wonder if just that's the deliberate thing. That they're doing just to you know keep the character faithful, but you know, it is what it is. Joe, you know Hawkeye has evolved throughout the Infinity Saga, mind controlled by Loki, uh, the mm. reveal of his family <laughs> to the audience, um, <laughs> being Ronin, uh, having been retired for some time, coming back, retired, coming back, you know, so, and now possibly going deaf. What do you think is? Uh, how, how do you? Describe the MCU journey of Hawkeye, and if 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 the Hawkeye series is indeed the end, is this a satisfying ending for the character? It's a good question. Uh, I I kind of say that Hawkeye is, is like kind of a MCU version of the Lethal Weapon movies, where just <laughs> oh, I'm two days to retirement, and it keeps pulling me back. That's that's kind of what Hawkeye is. Oh yeah, and. And he always wants to get out, but he somehow always ends up back. And you see it because he, not only is he a family man, but he, he does care a lot about the Avengers. And that I think that's one of the most important points of his character. And the thing is, is what 
like him going death. I, I, I truly believe that this will be the final consequence from the Avengers mansion that just pushes him to the, okay, I truly can't do this forever. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, God, if they start that stupid Disney plus series with him talking to his family finally, and then slowly stop, stop hearing their voices. I'm going to freak out because the man just had enough with losing a family. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting, exciting thing because it, it gives him a different character and a different motivation that lends itself to really say, okay, he needs a protege. He needs to pass this on. And I kind of hope that he still sticks around as like a teacher because he is kind of that role of the person who grounds these, the Earth's mightiest uh, heroes that that should be a higher up in in their strength and everything. And then you have yeah. this one guy with a bow going, "Go to your room, stop it." I, I think he would be a great Young Avengers trainer alongside Ant Man, and and that's something I really hope because you know we lost three major characters. Yes, Black Widow is returning with her own film, but her future is still uncertain beyond that if they don't turn Black Widow into its own like prequel trilogy. But it would be sad to lose these last three uh, of the original. With Thor doing his own thing, you pretty much only have Hulk and Hawkeye left. And, and you know, from the original six. So they make like the perfect choice to at least continue the legacy to some extent. And now moving on to another news, this comes under the rumor umbrella. A new rumor from MCU Cosmic has that Marvel Studios is planning to introduce a character named Lucia Von Bardas to the MCU. In the comics, she acts as a successor to the throne of Latveria after taking over from Victor Von Doom, even using a Doctor Doom name for a period of time. So, Doctor Doom is like... Um, pretty much confirm at this point that he's going to show up sometime in the future, right? Because he's a big villain, iconic villain in Marvel Comics. Um, so Lucia Von Bardas. Joe, what, what do you think is the... How do you see Doctor Doom, Doctor Doom's debut in the MCU? Should, should he debut in a uh, in an Avengers film? Or should he debut in a Fantastic Four film? Or should he, deb- should he, should he be teased in a post-credit scene or in a solo movie in the future? Hmm. <laughs> of course, Damn, that's sorry. a good question. Yeah. Um, no, that's a, I think that's a really interesting question. I always envisioned... The thing is, Doom has the potential to be a Fantastic Four villain and an Avengers villain. And what I would like to see... Like, Thanos was built up as an Avengers villain, villain and he was set up for that. I would kind of love to see, kind of similar to what Loki did in the original Phase One, was that he was actually just a minor. He was just he he was the villain in the 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 film, but he grew to become a bigger threat. Yeah, and I think it's an exciting prospect to have Doctor Doom. I think Fantastic Four should do their own thing and tease him, uh, mm-hmm. and not go into him until a sequel because. It's kind of run-of-the-mill to once again do a Fantastic Four story with Doctor Doom. Uh, or at least even not make him a, a villain at first. Uh, I, I'm still hoping that we get like a Fantastic Four film set in the 60s. That just sounds like a fun concept. Because it gives Doom time to build his entire country and empire that just makes an interesting storyline on its own. But... I think he should be a, a post-credit sequence reveal or tease because he is a recognizable villain for the public. 
and then go all in with an with a sequel and then become that huge threat threat that no one thought he would be because it's yeah. kind of like thanos they knew from the get-go as soon as they heard his name as soon as they heard anything he was the ultimate villain i and especially if we're going towards young avengers these are going to be arrogant kids teenagers that that have powers and abilities that may think they are stronger than they are and then have someone where they think oh he's just a random dictator wipe the floor with them is a great character moment we could have for this young avengers team and also just showcase what kind of threat he really is and that you know fantastic four he kind of just you know he, he's having trouble with them or maybe he never actually loses and it's all part of a bigger plan that is built throughout the phase is a bit more interconnective than just oh here's a MacGuffin. and his debut should be some menacing and threatening to the future avengers team charles how about you what do you think about how how doom will debut in the mcu well like joe it's kind of it's very interesting to think about doom as a as a potential uh, villain because again he he has fought so many all kinds of you know big time heroes throughout the years that he could pretty much be anyone's villain at this point um he's fought there mm-hmm. he's teamed up with Doctor Strange he's fought Black Panther he's fought Iron Man he's fought uh, uh, the Fantastic Four obviously he's fought pretty much everyone so you know Joe makes a good point in that you could sort of introduce him as you know this just fantastic for a villain, but then branch him off to, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger fishes, you know, just let him fight everyone at this point. The whole Lucia Von Barda story is very, very interesting because she is the villain of one of my favorite comic books, which is Secret War. It's basically a story where Nick Fury sends a, a top secret team into Latveria to dismantle the, 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 the country's, you know, if I'm not mistaken, Latveria was very up to was up to very very shady shady shit, and Nick Fury heard about this deal they were gonna do with the UN about providing weapons to all the supervillains. So Nick Fury wanted um, like a preemptive strike against Latveria. So he mm-hmm. he forms a top secret Black Ops team with um, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Daredevil, Captain America. Uh, this story was also incidentally the debut quake in comics. So. You know, if True, yeah. to introduce this character specifically with this story, then it's going to be super-duper interesting to see where it leads because, you know, you got the Latvia connection, you got the possibility of, you know, seeing this sort of, you know, this prototypical secret warriors uh, sort of set up with, with Nick Fury and a team of Black Ops superheroes. So yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I love the the possibility of seeing just this character Lucia and the the possibility of connecting it to you know Latveria and Doctor Doom. I just realized that a fun part about Doom could also be is that the longer the franchise goes on, he gets stronger <laughs> because yeah. he takes something from the villains they defeat, and and that's kind of a fun prospect because you have a villain who at first, like in the first film, oh you know they defeated him, he was tough. But you just see him like use technology, use like he became I think he got magic at one point in the comics as well. So you could have a connection that he starts becoming more and more integral with every aspect of these franchises. And everyone's not even like realizing that the villain they once defeated is actually still getting stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, a very interesting point here, guys. Last December, I just checking our site, 
we reported that you know I mean we reported a rumor way back that one division may de- debut like very in the MCU. So mm-hmm. I think they're going towards like the, what they did with Black Panther and Wakanda, like giving hints to audiences. Okay, there's Wakanda there. There's vibranium there. So they're just trying to set it up, trying to hype up the debut of Doctor Doom. And that's about to wrap it up for our rundown. Let's now move on to the next segment, which is the Shield Season Pass. Latest episode of Agents <laughs> of Shield, episode five, is entitled "Trout in the Milk." <laughs> wow, this Joe, this is an exciting episode with huge yeah. implications, not just to the show but also to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. For for those of you who are not watching, please do watch it now. You still have time to catch up because. It's taking a direct effect on the Marvel Cinematic Universe in spirit. So, okay, let's break it down. They're in the seventies, Joe, right? Mm-hmm. They're in the seventies. So let's two timelines of the seventies. Yeah, two two years, like nine seventy three, nine seventy six, and um, no. the Chronicoms are playing dirty in a way that they're cheating already <laughs> in this time war. Let's let's. Break down the MC references first. Okay, there's a mention of mm-hmm. Bruce Banner, a seven-year-old Bruce Banner. This is being targeted by Hydra. Weird. <laughs> and also there's Nick Fury, yeah. Victoria Hand as well, you know. And of mm-hmm. course, that similar concept to Captain America, the Winter Soldier, aka Project Insight. Are you surprised by that reveal? Like, you know, Project Insight happening four years earlier. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. That was it was a great reveal because at first, you know, we know we don't know all of, of MCU history, but that's like a major mile point in the history. And, you know, we thought, okay, they're gonna intervene and maybe they're gonna change a few things. But of all things to push Project Insight almost forty years ahead of schedule is is a huge deal because, you yeah. know, no one can stop them. Or at least, you know, our Agents of Shield team can, but there's no Captain America to take it down. There's no technology to hack your way in and, and disable it like you do nowadays or almost anything. You know, they're using old tech, but they still have literal laser <laughs> lasers on the satellites to kill random people. And everyone at S.H.I.E.L.D. at that time is like, yeah, dude, we're doing a good thing. Yeah, they're, they're celebrating, dude. <laughs> mm-hmm. Also, great way to bring back a character they teased last se- uh, two seasons ago. Rick Stoner's back, yeah. I just want to point this out. That, you know, back in season one, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, destroyed the premise of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And now, mm. <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is destroying the premise of Captain America, the Winter Soldier. by Full doing circle, its plot. baby. Yeah, full circle, doing its plot 40 years earlier. It's crazy, it's crazy. Um, I know we're doing a lot of theories of larger implications here, of course. That there will be larger implications. I think they're trying to dive into the multiverse now, I think. Because yeah. this is a direct effect on the timeline. They have Project Insight. It's there. Uh, Wilfred Malik is alive. That's supposed to be dead now. <laughs> after, But he was dead yeah. at the end of the episode, so they killed him. Yeah. And, and um, what do you... What do you think of, of the larger implications of this timeline shenanigan in the 2014 film Captain America: The Winter Soldier? Because if this happened 40 decades earlier without Captain America stopping them, it's going to be a direct effect on the other 
uh, events, right? Oh, definitely. And, and the thing is, is that, well, we don't know how exactly, you know, to some degree, some people still say, you know, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not MCU canon. Uh, yeah. It takes a lot from the films. It's like a parallel universe. So the question is, if, if the history, like, because I think Daniel Sousa makes a great reference here, is like, were you always meant to save me? Was I always meant to die there? Uh, you know, is this the timeline? And then you have the Chronicoms changing the time, even though a few episodes ago, they're like, the only thing we want to change is that S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist. So the person they're trying to kill is now a person they're working together with. You know, it's it's all confusing as hell. But I, I think the I, and the next thing is, is I think what's really telling is, is that when Malik says, oh, the Chronicoms, they know exactly what's happening because they have that Oracle character that pretty much is telling them the future mm -hmm. or how events have unfolded. To me, it feels like they're slowly... I don't, I don't, they're, they're, they're probably going to have to fix it. Either going to fix everything by the end or they're going to just say, this is a parallel universe. And this is why the Netflix series, the Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. series <laughs> are not part of the film series. Like this is Kevin Feige took over last episode. Okay. This is a sentence you have to add now. You're going that direction anyway. Do it. <laughs> yeah. For speaking about, you know, let's just stop this amazing scene. Come, come with me if you want to continue to exist. Oh my god, I love that. Uh, Enoch's my favorite character, and I love how like emotionless petty he is about being trapped on that bar for forty years. Yeah, but just, just she, he's showing emotions now. Like when he was there during the episode, like you left me for forty years. <laughs> <laughs> he was actually mad. I, think I love how he does still care for them. He's just kind of like, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> yeah. Him being emotionless is what, what makes him interesting for some reason. Mm -hmm. But yeah, at the same time, when he was driving that car, you saw him having fun. <laughs> he was yeah. just like, <laughs> press the gas. <laughs> hit it, hit it. <laughs> and um, yeah, and ours also. Um, the, you know, I root for his characters, you know, ever since the first season, and it's hard for them to see mm. lose and somewhat lose in this previous episode. The thing is, Hydra knows, like, Hydra potentially knows everything that's about to happen, right? Technically, because they, the, sh the shield, mm -hmm. I, I mean, the Chronicoms have told them. Uh, what 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 is happening in the future? How the Avengers, you know, dismantled them. <laughs> and yeah. very inter very interesting fact is that we've seen the 1970s timeline in the MCU movies twice. In the flashback True, from Ant Man, yeah. uh, an older Peggy Carter, older ha Hank Pym, older Howard Stark, and also just recently in last year's Avengers Endgame, where they go back to 1970. Not 1973, mm -hmm. 1976. I wonder if that would change as well. Because Wilfred Malik during that time was dead. And now he's alive. And I don't know what, what else changes. You know, I think we're going to find out mm -hmm. in the next few episodes. And now, um, there's a piece in the end, Joe, in the cliffhanger ending. I hate it when they do cliffhangers. <laughs> I, just, I just want more. <laughs> uh, yeah. Daniel Whitehall will return. For sure. And also, it might tease the appearance of Daisy's mother, Jian Ying. What do you think about that? From uh, I, 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 I'm a big fan of Whitehall as a character. I think the he's he's played extremely well. 
And it's it's just it was such a great storyline in, in season two. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited. I, I don't know like he called him the gray haired guy, but the problem is he also had gray hair when he looked young. So I don't know yeah. if we're gonna see a young version post Jaying uh, operation or pre. Uh, interesting, this entire storyline with, uh, this Malik's son wanting, uh, Quake's powers, that, that's an interesting twist I did not see coming, mm -hmm. because it gives us a B-plot for the next episode, yep. and I'm curious, especially, like, they also are teasing, like, Daniel Sousa wants to get off the ship at a specific timeline, mm -hmm. which I, I hope doesn't happen, because I'm, I mean, it, what a, he's giving a great performance, where he gets into Simmons' face in a fight with Deke. That, that was a really well done uh, scene and well performed by both actors. So I'm, yeah. I'm really I'm really looking forward to where this plot goes. I hope we get a return from Jia Ying. I I, I I love this this history lesson we're getting on Shield and how it's changing, and we're getting a lot of cameos from characters of season past. So I'm I'm really curious as soon as we get into the modern era, how many familiar faces we're gonna see moving forward. I, I'm seeing a trend here, Joe. If yeah. Now they're the first five episodes, mainly Hydra, and now the next few episodes they're trying to dive into the inhuman aspect. Now, you seen that trend? Yeah. Like they're trying to, yeah. com uh, trying to compact all the previous storylines in the future in past seasons, and now trying to like give um, a love letter to the fans, sort of like giving this full references to the previous villains, to the previous arcs in the previous seasons. It's gonna be one hell of a finale, and there's so much talk oh, about yeah. the finale, right? About I mean, Nguyen saying that the fans will love it. Chloe Bennett even mentioning that no, it's not like Game of Thrones. Fans will love this. Like they have high praise for the finale, and I think that those high praise are try are leaning towards a proper MCU uh, reference. I I hope so. I. I don't think that the show needs it necessarily mm -hmm. uh, because it is really good at doing its own thing. Oh my God. You know what I just realized? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if one episode takes place in New York with Daniel Sousa undercover as a cop <laughs> Oh my to God. explain why the same actor was in that film? Yeah, it's been a running theory around the social media sites. That's going to be very interesting to see. Like, they don't need to show Avengers. They just need to, to show yeah. um, the destruction, even the aftermath. Like, you know, <laughs> we can see that. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> and there's this one... It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. There's this one intriguing, uh, intriguing plot point in that previous episode I wanted to talk about. Theorize about what it is. Remember, remember when Deke shot Wilfred Malik, and then Malik yeah. was holding an envelope or a photo or something, and then Yo-Yo was shocked seeing it. I think that the photo is a photo of Fitz during that timeline, or I don't know, maybe because they're trying to talk about, uh, they're trying to, to revolve around Deke, you know, shooting, shooting him, and then the Chronicoms like saying. I know that this that you that like no not not Karnakam. The Wilfred Malik is saying, "I know that you will come." Mentioning Deke, maybe it has connection to that. Do you think that the photo includes Fitz in some way? A Fitz these? 
that that's a good good question because I thought it was connected to the reveal that Max's parents are in the base, so they can't blow it up. Yeah, because he said something about leverage. Uh, it being Fitz, though, I think is a much more interesting plot line because it's a like, oh, okay, it's because it's his parents, and then just out of nowhere, Fitz is in this timeline or Fitz is on their shape on their ship. And yeah. I think that will definitely tie into what's going on with Simmons. That that will definitely be connected. And you know, in the previous seasons, whenever a character is uh, is is not around, is absent from the first few episodes, there is this one episode that's focused on that one character. You know, like you know, when Simmons was mm-hmm. gone, and, and a, a whole episode is focused on her in that planet in Mal- in Malvet. And then when Fitz was gone, a whole episode is now focused on him trying to get back to the timeline. I think that we are in for a Fitz-centered episode in the next few episodes. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Him probably catching up throughout all the timelines. <laughs> and, you know, the, what I like about Age of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that they love to connect to any, to in any way. Mm-hmm. What if they show the previous episodes in Fitz's perspective? That's going to be fun. Yeah. It's, Seeing him in the background. Uh, I, I'm very curious. <laughs> Seeing him in the background? Okay, that's what we're doing. Okay, I'm going to help this guys out. Maybe he's the one pulling the strings in a good way. <laughs> Just so that <laughs> they can't show his location. Very exciting. I haven't watched the preview yet for the next episode. But it's going to be a very exciting episode indeed next week and I do hope that your theory is correct that Fitz will show up at the latter part of episode 6 here's open you love the 70 shield uniforms Joe <laughs> oh my god I that is such a great reference because I, I always remember seeing the really well done concept art for the original uh, Avengers, where they're gonna have that design from the comics. I still think it looks like that blue and white is a is an interesting combination. Uh, to see it here in the '70s, and then Coulson just—I forgot about these. Very practical. <laughs> that was such a great reference. Very. Good. I mean, just just thinking about it, it took seven seasons to get a reference to the original Shield costume, which has been one of the most major mainstays in the comics for years. Yeah, that, that's just amazing to me, and I I always wanted to see it. I even was hoping they would actually reveal. I originally thought they were going to reveal it in season set five when they went to the lighthouse, because mm-hmm. they said, "Oh, it's from yeah. the seventies." I thought back then they would reveal it, and then it was like two seasons later. I was actually still correct. It just was the wrong <laughs> season. <laughs> yeah, and that's about to wrap it up, guys, for this episode of the MC Exchange podcast. And um, you can follow me on Twitter for all the comments, all the questions about this episode, for all the latest news. You can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Aaron Gina. You can also follow Joe on Twitter. Uh, at Tadabell, T-H-A-T-A-B-E-R-L. And you can also follow our buddy Charles from Twitter. Find me on Twitter at CFS All right. Episode 25 is in the books. Keep safe, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Until next time. <laughs>